I really, you know, I mean, there's other people out there that really hate that. I also hate that. I don't think I hate that as much as some other people. But I, I one of the things I try to avoid is being that guy that oh, cut up your credit cards or, you know, I don't I don't think that's really helpful. And um, because it's hard to function in today's society without using some kind of debt. If you just if you just get rid of all credit cards and, you know, your mortgage and all, I mean, it's just, you're just like off the grid. I don't, I don't really know if that's the answer. So one of the, one of the tough things about, about what I'm, what I'm, the ideas that I'm selling you on is this idea that there is an acceptable amount of debt, but you should keep it to a minimum. And that's sort of a, that's a solution that's difficult to sell because it's a middle of the road solution and people don't like middle of the road solutions. They like extreme solutions. They like uh, cut up all your credit cards or they like uh, the Kiyosaki uh, take out 12 mortgages and buy like a bunch of apartment buildings. Like there's two extremes in financial advice out there. And I, I actually think, you know, down the middle is probably a better solution. But let's think about what debt is. What is debt, philosophically speaking? This is very important. Debt allows you to enjoy a higher standard of living today at the expense of having a lower standard of living tomorrow. I'll say that again. Debt allows you to enjoy a higher standard of living today at the expense of having a lower standard of living tomorrow. So, for example, if you buy a house, and you're not buying it with your money, you're buying it with the bank's money, so they're giving you debt, and you can enjoy this house before you otherwise would have been able to enjoy it. For example, if you didn't have the mortgage, you would have to save up for like 15 years and then pay cash for the house, which means you wouldn't have the house now. You would have it 15 years from now. But people don't want to wait 15 years. They want to have it now. And in order to have it now, it's there's no free lunch. You're giving up something else. And what you're giving up is hundreds of thousands of dollars of interest payments, which means you can't afford other things in the future. So you get to have the house now, but there's other things you can't have later. But people don't think about the second part. All they think about is they have they have the house now. And, you know, the mortgage, by the way, it just gets sucked out of their account, 2000 bucks a month, every month. And they don't really put a lot of thought into it. And they don't really look at the interest that they're paying. And they're not thinking of, of all the things that they could have bought with that interest that they're paying to the bank. So that's how that works. If you save money, if you now this is the opposite of taking out debt. If you save money, it allows you to have a higher standard of living tomorrow at the expense of having a lower standard of living today. So if I save money, if I don't spend it today, I'm having a lower standard of living today, but I can save it and earn interest or put it in the stock market and you know get some returns and I will have a higher standard of living tomorrow, which is called delayed gratification. That's the word for it. And I don't I actually don't know if there's a phrase for the opposite of delayed gratification. I don't know if there's a phrase for that, but there should be because that's what debt is. Debt is the opposite of delayed gratification. Delayed gratification is I'm going to make a sacrifice now so I have something I want later. Debt is I get what I want now and make sacrifices later. So that's, I mean, that's, this is why this is really my disagreements with debt are not, they're not even really financial. They're philosophical. And don't get me wrong. Like, you know, 
I have taken out plenty of debt in my lifetime. I've had two car loans. I've had, let's see, how many mortgages? One, two, three. I had three and then a fourth that I paid off pretty fast. Um, and I had any, I had a little bit of student loans, not much. I mean, I've had debt. I'm just like any other person in America. I've had debt. Uh, but one of the things that I've done is I've paid it off very, very aggressively. I paid it off very aggressively. Saving for retirement is a bit of an abstraction. We talk about saving for retirement all the time. Saving for retirement. What does it really mean? Well, if you have a high standard of living in retirement, it means you can travel pretty much wherever you want and fly first class, which sounds pretty awesome. Like, it actually sounds great. Like, if I could retire at age 65 or 70, and then, you know, I, you know, I work all the time. I don't even get to travel. It's really sad. But um, one of these days, I want to travel a lot, and I want to do it in style. I want to fly first class. I just Let me just talk about that for a second. Uh, I'm sure... I don't know if have you ever had a chance to fly first class? Now it's not like some life changing experience. It's not like you know, um, it's it's not anything super amazing. But there's there's very subtle things about first class which make it worth the extra money. And by the way, when I fly to New York, a coach ticket is about three hundred bucks, and a first class ticket is seven hundred bucks. So you have to pay an extra four hundred bucks to get first class. Now I usually get upgraded, so I don't usually pay for the first class ticket, but I have. I've actually paid for first class tickets two or three times, and the reason I do that is it's a better experience. It's a better experience. So first of all, you get to board first before anybody. You board first. You put your bags up. You sit down, and the first thing they do is, "Do you want something to drink?" This is before anybody gets on the plane. Right. Like you'd sit down and the seats, obviously the seats are bigger and it's not, you know, that's not, that's not even really the best part. It, this, the best part is having somebody kiss your ass the entire length of the flight. Like for three hours, they do nothing but kiss your ass. Like that is awesome. That's why people do it, you know, and they like, they have your names on a piece of paper. So like, you know, they're like, Oh, Mr. Dillion, would you, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's just better. It's just better. So, I mean, there's, there's, other, there's other parts of it that are better. But, it, I mean, this is, this, is why, this is why you save, right? Because someday maybe you get to do stuff like that. And when I was 26, we had a, we had a caller that was um, and called in. He was 26 years old, and he had no debt, and he had $100,000, which is kind of where I was when I was 26, you know? And when I was 26, I was not thinking about one day I would be buying first-class plane tickets. Um, I wasn't thinking about that at all. But it's honestly, you know, for saving and saving and saving and saving and saving my entire life, you know, for one or two times to splurge the extra 400 bucks and get to enjoy that experience. Now, look, the one time you really want to fly first class is international flights. Uh, I flew to Argentina and... Uh, it was actually, it was like, where did we go? It was like Myrtle Beach to Charlotte to Miami to Buenos Aires, lots of flights. And that flight to Buenos Aires was 10 hours. 10 hours is a long flight. And you sit in a coach seat for 10 hours. That is, your ass hurts. Like, it's no fun. Now, I, you know, I had movies. I had the in-flight. I watched like three movies in a row. And I was, you know, it was comfortable. It was fine. 
but I really would have liked to been in first class. And first class for a ten hour flight to Buenos Aires was like four thousand bucks or something like that. And I'm like, you know what? It's it's really okay. I can manage. <laughs> My ass can be sore. It it can be fine. But if you have a low standard of living in retirement, think about what that looks like. I mean, the high standard of living in retirement is you fly around in first class, and the low standard of living in retirement is you're in a really bad retirement home. And I don't know if you've ever been in a bad retirement home, but it's not good. It's not good. It's the type of place that if your kids leave you there, they feel really, really guilty. And the places like that exist, and that's real. Like, that's real. Like, if you don't save for retirement, that's what happens. So I don't want that to happen. I want the opposite to happen. And there are real economic constraints that people have. The more you spend today, the less you get to enjoy tomorrow. And it's really about delayed gratification is, you know, most of the people, there was actually, there's been some studies on children, some very long-term longitudinal studies on, on behavior in children. And what they found was that children at a young age that are able to enjoy delayed gratification, be able to practice delayed gratification by say, okay, like I won't have the lollipop now, I'll have it later, just simple things like that. The children that practice delayed gratification at a young age go on to be more successful in life. They make more money. That is really the one thing that sets people apart. So anyway, the U.S. is the third most indebted country in the world behind Japan and Italy. And we're going to pass Italy pretty soon. Uh, And on a national level, we do not practice a lot of delayed gratification as a country. And we are going to have a lower standard of living tomorrow. 